Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is ValueSide for Wednesday, February 15. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. Well, today, the U.S. consumer dollar fell to 93 cents. Well, I'm sure you read the headlines on Tuesday that the U.S. consumer dollar fell to 93 cents. Wall Street was all abuzz. They thought the consumer dollar would collapse to 92 cents or below. The fact that the decline was so much lower than expected means that the Federal Reserve may not need to tighten monetary conditions nearly as much as anticipated. What? You didn't hear about the U.S. consumer dollar? You've never heard of it? What am I talking about? Well, (laughs) that's my point. An old economics professor of mine once explained that an essential part of economic analysis is how you ask the basic question. You can look at nearly all economic equations from either the supply perspective or the demand side of the equation. And once you decide on which side you'll view the financial problem, it will inevitably determine your solution. Let's see how this works. Suppose that you walk into a candy shop and purchase a Snickers bar. It's my favorite, so we'll use a Snickers bar in our example. Further, let's suppose that it costs $2 per bar to make the math easy. Now, let's assume that we follow the change in the price of a Snickers bar, so we create a Snickers bar index, SBI for short. The SBI begins with one bar equal to $2. Next month, let's assume that the price of a Snickers bar goes up to $2.02. It's easy to assume that there is only one side to today's problem. The Snicker Bar Index increases by two cents, and that's it. But wait, there is another side to this equation, the dollar. The two-cent price increase in Snickers means that our two dollars will now only purchase a part of a Snickers Bar. I'm going to say that it'll be about 98% of a Snickers Bar to keep the math easy. So here's where we stand. Our Snickers bar index rose by 1% in its first month, from $2 to $2.02. But our U.S. dollar index, the obverse of the Snickers index, fell 1%. And both statements are factually correct. Both sides of our index moved in the equal but opposite direction from the other. Now, I know it may be a difficult concept to grasp, but knowing what's happening in our economy is essential to understand this point. We end up with this somewhat puzzling idea. If we ask, is the price of the Snickers going up? The technical answer is yes, relative to the dollar. And if you were to ask if the dollar is going down, again, the technically correct answer is yes, relative to a Snickers bar. Now, our Snickers index doesn't tell us a thing about the price behavior of gold or oil or any other commodity. So with this background, let's take a second look at my U.S. consumer dollar. You're right. Of course, no headlines were talking about the consumer dollar on Tuesday, but the headlines were talking about the consumer price index. The CPI is a simple expansion of our Snickers index. However, instead of measuring the price of just one candy bar, the CPI measures the price of a basket of goods meant to represent what the average American purchases in their day-to-day living expenses each month. And just like our Snickers model, on the other side of this model is the U.S. dollar, 
what I call the U.S. consumer dollar. Today, it costs $299.17 to purchase the CPI basket. But a year ago, in January of 2022, it only cost $281.50 to purchase that same basket of consumer goods. That's a difference of $17.67. Now, when you look at things from the dollar side of the equation, it becomes apparent that we have a declining dollar issue. That's how much the purchasing power of the dollar has declined over the year. And that's a very different kettle of fish from the CPI. Today, you'll hear a lot of discussions about runaway prices and how the Fed needs to tighten monetary conditions to control those prices. And at the risk of launching into an entirely different discussion, let's just say that I also think the Fed needs to tighten but not necessarily because of runaway prices, but more because of runaway leverage. But let's leave that discussion for another day. Today, let's look at the dollar side of the consumer price index. Suppose we accept that we've got a problem with a deflating dollar, a dollar worth less this year than it was last year. This then puts the shoe on the other foot. Our monetary policy would need to focus on keeping the dollar strong. Managing prices would become a function of controlling and supporting the strength of the dollar. To do that would mean all of that reckless spending up in Washington, which constantly creates an excess supply of dollars, would have to stop. The current excess borrowing and expenditures of the federal government would need to end. <laughs> well, we certainly can't have that, can we? We wouldn't want to bring government spending under control, would we? Of course not. So let's forget that entire U.S. consumer dollar idea. Instead, let's keep the blame for inflation on the shopkeepers and consumers, and we'll continue to judge inflation by just using the consumer price index. <laughs> P.S. I'm not saying that the CPI is a bad measure of inflation here. In fact, it's a very good measure. What I am saying is that it only tells half the story. That to see the entire picture of inflation, we also have to take into account how the government and the Federal Reserve are managing the dollar. And that's the value side for Wednesday, February 15th. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. ValueSide is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.